All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 254 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board. Today I'm joined by Weez, Daniel, and St. Louis KISS, Lonnie. What's up? And Mark might be along if the vet lets him out. Um, and he's not seeing the vet, his dog is, so let's just make that very clear. Happy 4th of July to everyone in the U.S. who's um, celebrating it. It was, of course, Lonnie who posted that on the FAQ. I don't feel comfortable as an Englishman uh, rubbing my own nose in it. Um, but, you know, of course, Lonnie's always willing to rub my nose in it. And, That's right. Of course, hopefully everyone's having a great day, unless you're in Southern California where there's just been a, what was it, 6.4 or 7.5 or whatever. The, new, the newscasters are going nuts talking to people in nursing homes about the earthquake. So uh, let's see. I got some new shit in this week. So first of all, when your package arrives like that, all trash. I've had a good whinge on Twitter and on Facebook, and I'm going to just get it out of my system here. Three of the four LPs, magazines, Metal Hammer, of course, from Germany, were missing. Only Paul was left, completely thrashed, which is a shame because it looks absolutely wonderful. I don't know if you can quite see that, but other than that, it's purple. So, not happy, but I think I ordered this one on uh, pay after delivery, which I won't be paying. And I've got a Dutch person who's sending me a full set of the four, so hopefully those will arrive safely. Whatever the case, it, it does look like a really cool 7-inch single, and of course there's the set of four colored vinyl. Oddly, uh, we've mentioned it before, using Ace and Peter on the center rings in place of Tommy and Eric, who are on the actual individual magazine covers, so... I'm looking forward to seeing that. Went to Amoeba yesterday. Picked up just a little bit of quick show and tell. Anyone who does not know, that is, of course, Eric Carr, pre-Kiss, Lightning LP. He plays drums on it. Disco album on Casablanca, released in 1979. He always said there were like six copies of it. I've had about 40 so far. Um, I just buy them whenever I see them because people do collect them, and that'll go up on eBay cheap. Uh, What else? One I've never owned before, which is really weird. It is, of course, Return to Casablanca, volume, which one is this? Volume 1. It's got a rocket ride on it. I think it's also got some kind of radio-esque intro shit on it. I don't remember. I think I had a cassette I tried to do a transfer of, and it wasn't very good. So, double LP with that. And finally, just because it was there, Beth Filmworks label, which means it didn't come out until mid-77. Well, after, the majority of them should be on the Casba label. Um which is just dorky shit. I'm sorry. I apologize. So, either of you bought anything recently, Lonnie? Um, my double platinum came the other day. It came in mint condition, which was which was nice because I've seen some some mangled ones out there. So, I was a little concerned because the outer box, like a lot of people's, was pretty beat up, but it was it was well secured in in its sleeve on the inside. So, I was happy about that and waiting on my. Best of the solo albums to come right now. So, cool. Other than that, that's about it. 
hope, hope it makes it because uh, it, it just seems to be getting tougher and tougher to get mail or records in particular shipped without them being shaken around and splitting every seam under the sun. I, I would love to see them come up with a way that would work a bit better on being able to ship these things so that they don't get destroyed. First of all, by using yeah. proper paper. Uh, Daniel, added anything to your collection lately other than memories? Uh, actually, that was what I was going to say. I, I have... Ooh. Do I have the mic on this? Yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've had added a lot of memories uh, this past weekend, and it was a great experience, so I didn't have time to buy stuff. By the way, I'm not that big on vinyl anyway, like you guys, but I'm glad that you still like listening to the same old, same old songs. <laughs> I'm, my wife says I am the master of buying music I already have. So. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm a kid, as a Kiss fan, I still think it's crazy to buy the same stuff over and over because it, it looks kind of different. It's not for me, but, but I, I kind of get it. But uh, yeah, my yeah. wife would kill him as well. I don't I don't even listen to it. I mean, I, no. I occasionally no, don't. I don't even listen to it. No, no, no. It's that collectors, you know, you can collect stamps or whatever. It's just a great feeling to buy stuff. No, yeah, exactly. It is an addiction in some yeah. senses, and especially when something new and interesting like these recent German issues, you know, which are very unique, are not things that we've had before. I mean, silver vinyl and, uh, you know, the reissue of the uh, like 1982 version of Double Platinum is something off the wall. I mean, it, I, I'll probably end up selling it on eBay. I mean, I don't – I'm all about the hunt. Once I've had it and held it in my hands – I'm like, well, now what the hell do I do with it? It's just <laughs> sitting here, and I live in an apartment, so I don't have infinite space. Um, so I I will probably eBay it. I mean, the, what was it? Monday I went to a record store in San Mateo, and I found that uh, hot pink final of Animal, you know, Vinnie Vincent. I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to have that because the price is really good, and I've got a press kit that was missing it. So, you know, it's up on eBay already. So, you know, my collecting really has phases of stuff that there's some stuff I won't get rid of, but records, you know, it's like, well, I haven't owned that one. Now I've owned it and touched it and actually seen the, the center rings, which I'm going to scan and add into the uh, FAQ pages on it. So it, I, that's my justification. Um, and, you know, the lightning LP, maybe I'll do a, a new transfer of it. I haven't transferred that LP in, you know, over a decade and now I've got a real turntable. Oh yeah. I've just justified that purchase. So yeah. You know, but but you, you know, Daniel, you've just been to a, a Kiss show, and that's really what it is still about—the music, and not just listening to it, experiencing it. Which show did you go to, and why don't you jump in with a bit of a review of it, and uh, we'll throw some questions at you to try and get the difference between North America and Scandinavia for the tour. Yeah. First off, I just have to say that uh, I met quite a few friendly Norwegians, fa Norwegian fans that uh, approached me and wanted to tell me to tell you that they appreciate the podcast. And uh, I'm always baffled when it happens. I mean, I have never been to Trondheim before when the concert was. And suddenly you hear, hey, Daniel, in Norwegian accent. And you're like, well, who, who the hell are you? And then they, they talk about the podcast. And uh, so that really shows the, the power of the KISS FAQ podcast. And uh, they are always positive. I guess the ones that don't like it, they don't approach you. So, but, uh, uh, so I sat at a local bar and uh, had a long and uh, extensive and interesting conversation with them. And uh, 
was kind of cool. And then he wanted me to tell all of you to keep up the good work. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of cool. And just to... Uh, well, I've got, to, I've, I've got to say thank you to everyone yeah. who, who approaches Daniel yeah. or any one of the participants of the FAQ uh, you know, podcast or any of the other podcasts that we do. You know, Thank you very much for listening to us, number one, and thank you very much for the kind words. We do appreciate kind words. And, you know, uh, Daniel, you, you're, you are wrong. When people don't like the show, they do come up to you because, as I found out in Indy, they come up to you and let you know uh, exactly. It, it, it all depends on how tall you are. I'm like six foot three, so no no one comes over to yeah, me. Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah. I've seen you kind of shorter than I, I'm, I'm a short little chub, so yeah. forget so, it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Well, uh, and uh, Trondheim is kind of a small city. It's like 185,000 inhabitants, so it's not very big. And uh, Trondheim Rocks is a three-day festival. Other notable names were Def Leppard, Iggy Pop, and a few others. Uh, but what struck me was when I was in I was in the city a few days just to experience it because it's uh, it was actually the capital of Norway like a thousand years ago, uh, literally a thousand years. Uh, so there's a lot of historical sites and interesting stuff you can go on and look at. But um, I didn't see a lot of posters in the city, I, I, and I looked for them. Uh, I wanted to keep one, but but uh, there were small posters. I see. I thought of. I think I saw like two or three of them. Uh, and when you talk to people, they didn't even know that there was going to be a rock festival. They didn't know that Def Leppard and Kiss was in town. And it was kind of strange because it was so, such a small city and still uh, they had no clue. So uh, I kind of thought that maybe no one will show up at the concert. But uh, the attendance was good. I think it was close to being packed. And uh, so it was kind of cool. But, but um, uh, actually, uh, an interesting thing was that they had posters, posters for next year that were bigger. Ramstein will play there next year. So they had big Ramstein posters and like Kiss and the Flappard were like small posters. So I don't know what that was all about. That's uh, that's just the Germanic hierarchy of things in Europe. <laughs> Ramstein, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get a bigger yeah. poster. And, and the concert was in like some sort of industrial area. So when you entered the the festival area, it was kind of gray and boring and they didn't have a lot of stuff i mean if i compare to sweden rock that's the biggest festival in sweden uh, there's like no com way to compare them because sweden rock you have a lot of things going on and there's green lawns and kind of a nice feel but here it was like an industrial area with two stages and a lot of tents but you couldn't do anything in the tents but uh drinking drink beer so you drank beer and then you went and so yeah that's kind of what's wrong with that, that? might be <laughs> <laughs> that's true but uh, but uh, so, so I think the area was kind of not very tiltillating and uh, so actually when there were some uh, opening bands me and the one I was at the concert with we we went outside the area and found a local bar and that's where I found all the real KISS fans, they did the same. They went outside, 
set at the local bar. I actually saw a guy that looked exactly like Peter Chris, kind of crazy makeup and everything. That was the only guy I saw in makeup. Really? Because uh, I you posted yeah. you posted a picture of him on the FAQ, yeah. and he looked great. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I always love it when people dress up. I don't care if yeah. they show up in Vinny makeup or Eric Carr. I mean, there was a great Eric Carr at uh, uh, Madison Square Garden, but it's just real cool. And some of them have outfits that are just the bomb. They are absolutely incredible. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And some of them don't, and I'm like always more powered. You know, those people have toilet. That's even more fun. Yeah, the toilet rolls <laughs> and the crumpled tinfoil. Those you know, are my favorite. You know, respect for you getting out there and doing it. I mean, that's so fun. So, um, the opening acts, were there anyone else on the bill that you were interested in seeing, or was it strictly Kiss and that's all you were going to do? For me, it was strictly Kiss. I saw a few other bands. Uh, the friend I went with had a, a favorite that we saw, but uh, I was just focused on getting ready for Kiss, uh, trying to hook up with other Kiss fans and and, and talk for for a final time, maybe at a at a show. So it was kind of bittersweet. It was so great, but then I thought this might be the last time ever that I sit down prior to Kiss concert and. Uh, talk with other like-minded crazy people so uh yeah why norway why why trondheim then for you well for me trondheim is actually close closer than stockholm so that's why i went to trondheim and uh, sweden rock is like at if you see the map that's sweden if you watch on youtube here is uh like the place where they play Sweden rock and I live somewhere up here and Trondheim is in the middle. So it's much closer. Uh, But there weren't a lot of Swedish fans and that kind of, I was surprised by that. Were like the people I met were only Norwegian. I don't remember if I even met a single Swede or maybe one or two, but, but mostly Norwegians. It's close to the border. So, uh, yeah. All right. So start of the show then. Uh, you've you've done your sightseeing. You've done your uh, your your pre-show gathering. You've fully visited every tent and partaken of every beverage on offer. Um, what's the crowd like in you know, and what music's playing over the PA as people are getting ready to be kissed. I mean, because you know where they're going to be on the schedule, right? So you know where which and how were the stages laid out? Were there two large stages? Was there one major and one smaller one, uh, so that you you knew where to be and and whatnot? Well, actually, the last song I remember hearing was a Lionel Richie song before the they started the concert. That was that was was a what what hit that song in the year from the whole. Yeah, all night long. <laughs> if you remember that one, so. I guess it was a way of them telling that they would play for a long time. And the concert started at uh, 9 p.m. And what is it now? It's 20 past 9. So this is, yeah, if you see, it's very, it's not even close to being dark. So uh, when they started off with the Detroit Rock City, uh, you hear a lot of bombs, but it's kind of hard to see you know, the sparkles and everything. But in Scandinavia, I think people are used to this. So they go nuts anyway. But as 
time progresses, it looks cooler. And by then, it, you can see everything. Uh, but I think it was kind of cool when they came down from the ceiling and uh, the crowd was really into it, at least from what I could tell. I was pretty close to to the front, but uh, people went nuts. Uh, but after the concert, when I talked to people, a lot of people had the, you know, um, end of the road t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tried to talk to them about the show. They didn't even know a single Kiss song. But I guess that's what you get, get when you when you visit the festival. But it was really mind-boggling. Uh, I asked quite a few people, and they really struggled trying to come up with a Kiss song. So, uh, yeah. yeah. What about- or maybe they did. Maybe the Norwegians didn't understand my Swedish accent. I don't know if it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, the top of the show in most cities or in most venues has had a bottle, a whistling bottle rocket effect that travels down the line that Paul Stanley uses to go to a mini stage. Did they use a mini stage for a flying routine at this show, or did they use the the bot the the big whistle at the beginning of the show, followed by all the explosions. Uh, did you did you feel you got the same show maybe um, as everyone else? I think it was kind of similar, and he used the the stage in the middle of, of the crowd, went out there. Actually, it struck me that it, that it was really similar to the concert I was attending uh, at Stockholm Stadium like 22 years ago. It was it's really similar and. You know, they go out to the middle of the stage, the blood and, and everything. So uh, one of the main differences might have been the drumming. It was much better this time around. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. But it's... it's interesting. It's it's interesting that, you know, how I'm interested to see how they convert that stage when they play amphitheaters, when they come back through the States this summer, when they play those sheds. Because that yeah. that stage that they're using is really, really made for a, a larger type of venue, like an outdoor venue, how, how Daniel saw them, or, or in these arenas that they've been playing um, in the first leg in the U.S. I'm really interested to see how it converts into those sheds, because it's, especially with, like with the cherry pickers they use at the end of the shows, they're not going to be able to use those in those sheds, because the ceiling's not... And a lot of them, anyway. At least the one I'm going to see in St. Louis, the the ceilings and those sheds aren't as aren't as high um, as you, what they have in an arena. So it's going to be interesting to see how it translates. And with all those pods in that, like you know, a lot of those ceilings and those sheds aren't aren't as high as an arena. So it's going to be interesting to see how it translates um, when the tour comes back to the U.S. later this summer. I haven't seen a lot from the U.S. tour because I wanted to go in fresh, but those pods didn't do a whole lot. Of, at this show, uh, I don't know if they do a lot more during, did a lot more during their American. Yeah, leg of the, the, they were yeah. very, they were an integral yeah. part of the stage production yeah. on, on the U.S. Like yeah. what I have noticed, and you know, it's more so going to be the case at a festival. You're very limited by the venue and yeah. by the amount the of the video different... screens. The video screens were kind of small as well. Yeah, the, it were was they, the same uh, for every band. Yeah, weren't they just a big square one in the back, not using the shape one that they had? So they, you know, adjustments do have to be made. But you know, when they come yeah. around to the, the to the U.S., like I, you know, those pods. I mean, they they limited the number of them that they were using, and they became more just lighting effects. They didn't move yeah. around up and down like they did for us on the first leg of the tour. And it would have been pointless as well during the day 
for those LCD yeah. screens, uh, mm -hmm. they'd be tough to discern. Um, there may also be technical rigging issues in being able to fly them um, and make them work. So that doesn't bother me. But when where were you located in the audience? I mean, stage left, stage right, how far back, how, how close to the stage? Uh, did you get a good yeah. sense when you were in the audience of explosions and flames oh, and, yeah. and those That's elements? Right. Oh yeah, I was. I would say like in the in the middle between the soundboard and the stage, a bit closer to the stage than the. Is it called the soundboard the, where Paul flies? Yeah, and I know that area. Uh, and uh, what struck me was the heat from the flames. It was crazy. Uh, I like I looked around to see if someone got burnt because it was such a cool effect. So that was the biggest thing: the, the heat from the flames. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't, uh, you know, at, at the front because I would have gotten my eyelashes burnt right off. I think. So that was one of the cooler effects, and. They were, there were no shortage of bombs and explosions, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but I do felt they didn't... I had seen the pods be more impressive, as we spoke about. And also, I don't remember if they had these uh, arms. They didn't use the... What are they called? They stand on the things that go over the oh, crowd. The, oh, the, the cherry pickers? Cherry, cherry pickers, pickers. Yeah. yeah. They didn't use them either i think no they, pro they probably didn't have the uh the elevators where the that lift gene and tommy up on the sides of the stage three hundred thousand years yeah um, what, what about eric's drum kit did that do any yeah, levitating yeah it levitated and uh uh the person i was with thought that was the most boring time of the set and, and i guess the solos need to be there but uh to me I've never liked them either, but um, they do a good job with, with what they have and uh, uh, get Gene and Paul some time to rest, I guess. Um, but I, I've never liked solos. The other only one I, I liked was the one Eric Carr did during the Hot the Shade tour. It felt fresh and kind of a, like a song on its own. Well, that, otherwise, that, yeah. that, that's a great reason for me to interrupt you, because if yeah. you like the <laughs> Eric Carr drum solo, then uh, tune in on Facebook on Andrew Scambati's channel on, uh, what is it, July the 11th, and I think it's 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, check on Facebook for a watch party of a previously unreleased Hot in the Shade tour video. It's uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I think it's early on in the... Uh, in the tour but it's made from three different sources left right from the audience and one up close uh from the pit a very fun show um and you'll get a chance to see it only on facebook then so check that out all right continue yeah i just have to say that on the shade that tour would is by far my favorite tour from the uh non-makeup i think it was a great comeback from the abysmal crazy nights tour uh, Re the Re Revenge Tour was cool as well, I know, Lana, but uh, I, I don't think it was quite as cool as, as the Hot in the Shade Tour. It was a bit of a letdown, I think. Even though the Statue of Liberty looked cool and all, uh, it would have been great seeing them going for, for the first ideas that they had like, with the city in ruins and cars sticking up. But I guess it was economics back then that they didn't manage to do that. Uh, but uh, back to, to this 
show. I, I was surprised by the uh, response from the audience. It was great. I was fearing a lot of cell phones all the time. I had my cell phone up a few times, but uh, uh, people were really into uh, the show and liked it and enjoyed it. And I looked around and saw all smiles. And it's always cool to see like small kids or like 13-year-olds smiling, seeing Kiss for the first time. It's kind of kind of a throwback, recalling how it was uh, when you discovered the band. So it, it was all smiles, and people seemed content after the show. I was afraid I would have a big issue with the pre-recorded vocals. Uh, but I, I went into the show trying to not think of it. And actually, I didn't think about it during the whole show. So it worked just fine, and they sounded great. And I tried not to look that much on Paul. So uh, it was a great experience. Yeah. When was the last time you had seen them prior to this, uh, to this show? Well, actually, I saw Gene uh, last year on his solo tour. But really, after uh, the Sonic Boom tour, I didn't think they did a whole lot to make me come to the show. You know, they, they didn't present a lot of new ideas. It was kind of similar effects and everything. So I haven't seen them since the Sonic Boom tour over Europe. Mm. I think it was in 2010. And mm. I wasn't really going to see them because I think that was a great tour in, in Europe. They performed really well and I wanted to have that memory Kiss. I didn't want to see Kiss the way they sounded a few years back uh, with Paul really struggling through the show. So actually, once again, Kiss made the right decision. I didn't like it when they put makeup on uh, Eric Singer and Tom Taylor, but time showed that it was the right decision. And the same thing goes with this. I mean, having him uh, sounding awful during the show is way worse than pre-record some stuff. And 99% of this audience, they didn't have a clue. No. They did it really well, yeah. Did you see them in 2008 when they did the, a live 35 tour through Europe? No. Okay. No, I didn't. I didn't. Did you see that tour uh, when they played live? I did. I did, yeah. Yeah. Was it any good? Um, mine, that was 2008, wasn't it? So I saw that. They played a show like in San Francisco in 2008, didn't they? Yeah, they did Canocti, they did Tahoe. Mm -hmm. Like around Labor Day, like around Labor Day, yeah. Yeah, Canocti was hell. Why do I know that? Um, <laughs> Tahoe was good. That was the uh, Paul spit. I, I thought he was spitting, but he was probably spitting picks at the guy, the guy who was harassing him. But Daniel... It, Here's a question. So you have you've seen them ten years ago on Sonic Boom, which wasn't exactly a high point. The cracks were still there. They weren't as bad as they did become. But um, before we talk about set list and some of your opinions on some of the the songs that you had performed, if this was your final kiss, how do you feel about that whole package being your final live experience of the band that you've been a fan of for so many years? Well, it all depends on what kind of expectations you have when you go into the show. And I knew the cracks, and I knew what to expect. So uh, knowing that going into the show, I, ha I have to say I had a great experience. I think uh, uh, they really delivered. I mean, the sound was very good, and from what I could tell, they played well. 
there weren't any mistakes at all almost and I always liked Eric Singer's drummery, drumming even if he isn't like when he played on the Revenge Tour but I think it was kind of a nice touch. I, I remember recalling, I recall that uh, back in 2009, that was one of the things, or I think it was 2000, 2010, it was one of the things that, uh, you know, stuck out to me after seeing them with Peter Chris. So, uh, and Tom Taylor, he, he did what I, what I thought he would do. And uh, I felt... Uh, it was a great way to end things. Uh, sure, they looked a bit uh, slow on stage, but uh, with all the effects, they, they kind of disguised that very good. So I would tell anyone who likes KISS to go on this final tour. I think they will have a great experience. So it's kind of a good way to close things, and, and uh, they delivered. So uh, I, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Did any of the members surprise you in their performance and how they, you know, moved around or didn't move around, and surprise, positive or negative? Well, I would say, looking at the band and looking at the big uh, video screens, Gene Simmons always comes across as a, you know, a cool character. Live, Gene Simmons works so well, even though he doesn't do the uh, jumping around and uh, all that on the live screens and looking at him on stage. I mean, it works, still works, man. So I would say Gene is like the star of of the band. But, uh, and Paul, uh, you know, Paul is Paul. Uh, he, does, he, he moves around, not a lot these days, but when he does, it looks kind of cool. Uh, and uh, but I would say Gene to me always works best live these days. I mean, if you go back 25 years, uh, it would be Paul. But when he can't move around as much as he did, it's kind of a, it's not like it's Paul anymore, really. Uh, so I would say Gene really works live in a live setting, and, and I think the kids are kind of scared of him when when he starts drooling the blood and all that. Still looks cool. What about favorite songs, you know, from the set? I mean, I don't know how much you were able to avoid stuff. I, I know you were trying to avoid as much as possible of the coverage before your show. Um, but what did you think of the set and what were your favorite songs? And then also tell us the ones that you wish weren't there. Well, it's kind of boring because I, I, I didn't mind any song in the set. I think it was... Uh, uh, they, they, they. Of course, they have to play the hits or the big songs, and uh, uh, but they still managed to have a few songs from almost every era. They played "Lick It Up," they played "Hands on Fire," they played "Crazy Nights," and uh, of course, going. They played something from Sonic Boom as well. I think. I think they say played. Yeah. yeah say yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you can't really ask for. The, much more uh, on a final tour. At least to me, they managed to uh, cover what I wanted to hear. Of course, I could have switched one or two songs out, but that was why I went to the Gene Simmons songs mm. the year prior and saw some great stuff, you know, like Fits Like Love, Charisma, and all those songs that I really love. So 
So it was it seeing Gene Simmons a year ago and seeing this Kiss tour now kind of you know you, you made you see and watch all the songs you really wanted to to hear. So, um, but of course, songs like uh, I know Julian just said he didn't want to hear Cold Gin, but that's one of my actual favorites. I love that riff. Uh, so that one I really enjoyed, and of course, Heaven's on Fire. I think it was the first time I heard it li live. Quotation marks. But uh, um, it was really cool. I remember standing next to another guy that actually knew the lyrics, and we, you know, went crazy during that one. So um, really nice set, and um, yeah. I struggled to find something I was disappointed with, but I guess to me uh, they are respected veterans, and you know, whining about a song or two the, at this time just there's no uh, reason to do that. I, I think it was a nice set, uh, some cool songs, great effects, and um, if you haven't seen the show, you need to go and do it. Yep, I think Lonnie, you'd probably agree that you just have to take the thing as a whole and and just accept it for what it is. They're trying to represent their whole career in two and a bit hours. So absolutely, I I enjoy, I enjoyed the set um, a whole lot, and I really hope when they come back to the U.S. that they keep Crazy Nights in the set. I really do. You don't? <laughs> Please don't listen to Lonnie. I think he's. I, I I just don't want Crazy Nights or I was made for loving you ever ever again. I want Strutter. Well, I could, yeah, come I could on and love me. The, oh, come on and love me. I, Watching you, Ace just sure. did that. Come on and love me for sure. I, that's probably my favorite Kiss song. But I I like having Crazy Nights in there just because just because of the fact that after they dropped Hide Your Heart, there was no representation of like the Bruce Kulick era in the set list at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. That was a tragedy that I think Bruce needs to be represented that that era with Bruce and the band gets overlooked way too much. And Bruce is like really the only person that really carries the flag for that era. And he's really proud to carry the flag for that era. So I really hope that if not crazy nights, then, then bring back hide your heart, do something to represent that era or play something off freaking revenge for Christ's sake, you know, play you know, unholy or play God gave God gave. That'd be awesome. I, I keep God saying gave it. would go perfect right before rock and roll night. It'd be perfect to end the set. They play Dude, that. Yeah. When the instead show... of playing it after rock and roll all night, instead of playing it over the, the speakers after rock and roll night, play it in the yeah. set. That'd be awesome. So, but I, I, but just for the, just for the fact that there's something that represents the Bruce Kulik era, I hope it remains in the set or some, or if not that something else. When they did the Sonic Boom tour here, they did Crazy Nights as well. I guess it's because it was a big hit in the UK and a semi-hit in Scandinavia. And that goes for a lot of songs from the non-makeup era. You know, Lick It Up, Heaven's on Fire, Crazy Nights, uh, and maybe maybe God Gave Rock and Roll to You are like some of the most known songs over here. Uh, but I would say the biggest response from the audience actually came during, I'm sorry to say it, Julian, I was made for loving you. People went like nuts. So, but I guess at a festival, that's the song they, they recognize. Know. Come on, yeah? the, the so, song did very well in Scandinavia in 1970, uh, yeah, 1979. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's still played. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. not a, it's not about me, you know. It, my, my preferences. I've just heard that a few too many times in concert, and I I totally agree with Lonnie that Bruce Kulik continues to be the flag bearer for that whole era. And I mean, he's got his band together now for Kiss Cruise Nine, and he's talking about you know doing his era you know, continuing to do what he does. So I'm sure he, I'm sure his set on the cruise is good. Our sets hopefully are going to be another highlight like they were last year, like they were the mm-hmm. year before, like his performances have been elsewhere. But when it comes to, you know, crazy, crazy nice, I'll be in England next week. And that should really be the last time that song is ever heard live. Um, My brother's going. And which one's he going to again? Manchester. Manchester. Okay. Yeah. I, I was on the fence up till like last week about whether I just oh, really? fly into Newcastle and see my father and then go see Kiss. Hey, Pops, how you doing? <laughs> uh, but then I'd have to do London as well and see my mom. Um, and then I'd have to go to Liverpool and see aunts and uncles. So it would turn into a tour rather than, uh, you know, Jonathan just went to see Bandmate in uh, some god-awful place in Essex. Um, so it was out there 32 hours. I can't do that shit anymore. I'm just too old um, to, to do flying visits. I tried to do that in 99 for the Psycho Circus show at Wembley, uh, but work interfered. So I don't want to ever hear Crazy Nights again. That's just me. I really want something that's a little bit more representative of the better Unmasked era. And I think Blondie's right with something probably from Revenge, though I also kind of prefer it to be something with Eric Carr drumming. You know, nothing against Eric. Uh, he's got Say Yeah on there for his for his band. So, but whatever. You know, it's, it's very minor nitpicking. I, I don't really care. You know, I've got the show coming up, uh, what, September? And I'm really not even bothered about the set list. We'll still talk about it, you know, if they do anything. Or we'll always have our desires to hear stuff. I mean, Gene's fanned the flames by those solo shows. All three of us have seen Gene Simmons Mm -hmm. live. Um, And he's not been out a ton of places. So we're all very lucky and fortunate to have had the ability, especially you, Danny, Grona Lund, right? Yes, Grona Lund. What an incredible venue to to go to. Yeah, that was... That was a really cool concert. And also you had more KISS fans uh, per, I don't know, uh, higher percentage of KISS fans on that show. Uh, because that's what really kind of a letdown watching them at Trondheim Rocks. You have a lot of people that don't know the songs and aren't that into it. So I stayed outside outside the area after the show to, to speak to some people and kind of uh, talk about the years and what shows they've seen and so on. And uh, one thing that struck me was when they saw that I was Daniel from the Kiss FAQ pod, all of them, not all of them, but quite a few told me that they didn't like three sides of the coin. I mean, like three or four people. But uh, By the way, three sides did it. I don't have an issue with three sides, but it's, there's something about that show that really stirs the feelings among KISS fans. I think it was kind of interesting that quite a few people felt that they wanted to to say that. And as I said, uh, me and Lana were tall people, so no one came up and said anything bad. Uh, and that was really nice as well. That's yeah. so funny because I, I get that as well. At, yeah. At Expos. Oh, I, I okay. don't like those. I like, well, I listen to them. You know, whatever. Yeah. I don't like Burger yeah. King. 
I go to McDonald's if I want that shit, you know? Whatever. <laughs> to each their own. Make yourself happy. Be happy. But they're obviously doing something right if they're, <clears throat> they've got people, you know, that riled up, as we see on yeah. the message board, obviously, on occasion yeah. as well. Um, Rockin' Pot is back. The annual celebration of rock returns to Nashville. This convention brings together the best rock stars, music podcasters, vinyl and memorabilia vendors, and rock fans from all corners of the globe. Special guests include Michael Sweet of Striper, Brian Forsyth of Kicks, Jason Beeler of Saigon Kick, Erie Vaughn of Danzig, and members of Exodus, Roxy Blue, Every Mother's Nightmare, Kick Tracy, and more. Music podcasts from all over North America will be recording on-site all weekend. Special pre-party featuring the rock and roll residency, The Talisman, 8-Ball, and Lipstick Generation on Friday night. Rock and Pod Expo on Saturday. Join us at the Nashville Airport Marriott August 9th and 10th for Rock and Pod. Podcast registration and tickets and VIP packages available now at rockandpod.com. Let's just touch on the board a little bit as well, because you yeah. know, there's a couple of topics that have been flying around recently, you know, the last few days that are of a little bit of interest. Um, first one is, what did your parents, and I'm going to append uh, your your family, you know, people you grew up with, think of your kiss obsession. Once you <laughs> once once you became a kiss fan. And probably a little bit of a diehard. Um, what did the people who care about you think, Lonnie? Well, <laughs> I've been a Kiss fan as long as I can remember. Because my brother turned them on to me when I was really, really young. He had Destroyer on cassette and Creatures on cassette. And I was just hooked immediately. And, you know, I, I, got, I got Love Gun early on and Animalized early on. And I, I, I was just hooked on I was hooked on them at a very young age. And, you know, it, just like anything, it, it comes in spurts, you know. A new album come out, I, I'd get more into them, you know, and then it would wane a little bit. And then I'd get more into them. And then I remember when they, when they were getting ready to put the makeup back on in 96, and I was 15, 16 years old. My brother and I were talking about them. Oh, we're going to go get tickets, this and that. And my mom's like, oh, Kiss, I thought you outgrew that. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, you know? No. And, you know, my, my, my mom really didn't like them when I was, when I was young. And I had animal, I mentioned I had Animalize on cassette. And, you, you know, the, and you open up Animalize and on the inside of the sleeve, it was them, like, standing over, like, that, that like, I don't know, called a river of fire or whatever it was, just, like, that thing of fire they're, like, standing over. And it looked kind of menacing, I guess, in, in the 80s. I mean, it looks tame by today's standards, but in the 80s, it looked kind of menacing. They looked kind of evil. And I remember going up to my room one day, and that blank, and, and it, was, it was just gone. It was just gone. It was just a cassette, and it was blank and empty cassette. I was like, where, where's, where's that at? My mom's like, I don't know what happened to it. I'm like, whatever. I know what happened to that. You got rid of that. And, you know, when I got revenge, you know, listened to the song, I Just Wanna. And she's like, you know, and that song you're listening to up there, you know, I, I don't really like that. She goes, I know what they're saying. Like, oh, no, I can show you the, I can show you the, the liner notes. That's not what they're saying. You know, it's, I just want to forget you. She's like, and she's just like, you know, they, they can write whatever they want. And those, I know what they're saying. And I'm like, okay. 
my mom was never really she she they never my parents never told me what I could or couldn't listen to but they always told me what they liked what I was listening to and what they didn't like what I was listening to but they never forbid me from listening to certain things but I had I and I had other friends whose parents told them no you're not buying that and they and they couldn't have that so they come over they you know come over to my house I'm like oh you have revenge you have use your illusion like my mom and dad will let me buy use your illusion because it has explicit you know that that sticker on, on it so if they come over to my house and listen like oh your parents are so cool they'll let you listen to it I'm like yeah my parents give me a hard time about it but they do let me listen to it um and my brother my brother you know was always very supportive of it obviously because he's a fan as well I what I propelled in like super fan, I guess, like around 96 when they put the makeup back on and that, and, and really around 04, even I, I really kind of advanced, I guess my, my fandom, I just, just kept going just kept building and building and building, you know, my, my friends would often look at me like, you know, kiss you, you're, they're old, even, even like in 96, they'd say, well, kiss, they're old. Listen to this. I'm like, Almost 20 years ago people were saying they were old so my so i guess to make a long story short my mom used to give me a hard time about it and my and even in high school i i was really proud of, to be a kiss fan in high school and i would i sewed like kiss patches on my backpack and that and friends of my people people would give me a hard time about it you know say you know again like they're old and listening to bush or whatever they're listening to in 96 and would give me a hard time about it, it was like you know i don't care because I was, I was really proud to be a KISS fan. I still am proud to be a KISS fan. So, I don't know. High school, I got a hard time about it and, and my mother. But that's really about really about it. Everybody else is like, you know, teach their own. Do whatever you, you know, whatever you, whatever you like. Some, you know, a wise man once said, some people like some things and some people like other things. <laughs> Who's that, Forrest Gump? <laughs> No, it's just something stupid my brother and I always say. Or Yogi Berra. <laughs> something stupid my brother and I always say. It's like deja vu all over again. Like, wow, it's so profound. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, what about in, in, in your sphere? I mean, what was kind of the feeling that you got when you became a, a, a diehard KISS fan? You know what you just texted <laughs> Well, hearing about Lonnie's mom, I remember my mom, it was completely different. And I guess this thing with music and lyrics being kind of dangerous in some way, that has a lot to do with America, I think. Because over here, we don't get stuck on, on lyrics. We know it's just words. And so I actually remember her helping me buying the first few uh, records. I think it was Asylum and Animalize. And she looked kind of perplexed when I when I showed her the lyrics to one of the songs on Animalize, and I, I wondered what it meant really. And I asked her, "This song, what does it really mean?" Because I didn't know English that well. And I said, "Burn, bitch, burn." And I showed my mom, and she like, uh, "Well, in Swedish, she said, burn, witch, burn." Okay, and then I moved on. So that's one of the early memories from my mom. And uh, uh, but by uh, what did people think who were my age? Well, I think it was kind of cool to be a KISS fan in around 85. Uh, they were really popular. But then uh, when I was a KISS fan in the 90s, in the early 90s, people always tried to get me to listen to like Metallica, 
Guns N' Roses, and then later on Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. And I like a lot of those uh, bands now, but by then I stuck to my guns. I didn't want to show them that I liked anything else than Kiss. And I was kind of like this mad preacher. I wanted everyone to like Kiss, and no one would be interested in it. But I always tried to make my friends listen to Kiss. Uh, what do you think about this song? What do you think about this? I, I even remember one of my friends from, I guess we were like 16. He slept over and uh, I showed him the exposed video. And I remember uh, winding forward to the Paul Stanley exercise tape because I thought it was so cool. And he just looked at me. You're crazy, man. <laughs> so I completely failed. He never became a Kiss fan. But I was like this religious nutcase that wanted everyone to like Kiss because I love them so much. And can't you see, like, the greatness of it all? Um, and then when the reunion happened, it was kind of cool to be a Kiss fan, but just for a year, somewhere around there. And, and still to this day, people last... Uh, Yesterday, a friend that's in the army actually sent me a text message. I haven't talked to him for a year or two. Uh, have you seen? There are two episodes on. There's a famous uh, podcast here in Sweden called, um, it's called something like Bandit Rock. There are two episodes about Kiss. I guess you want to check him out. So I'm, I'm kind of the Kiss guy for a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, oh, from yeah. back in the day. So, so, so instantly when something about Kiss happens... I get a lot of texts from people I haven't talked to in years because they know how much I like the band. I think that's kind of a cool thing. So that's my experience. It's still one of those things that happens to me. I'll get a letter from my father, and it's a newspaper clipping from the Times. That's the review of their show at Wembley that he's cut out, you know, and and sent to me because he knows I I like them. But I mean, growing up, my 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 mum was never one who was very judge i don't remember being judgmental about the music uh of kiss now motley Crue, oh fuck she went through the lyrics of well (laughs) touch my gun but don't pull my trigger let's make history you know having your mother reading you the lyrics yeah i know i know what they're singing (laughs) and cinderella shake me i know what they're singing um sounds so much like my life (laughs) compared to that stuff kiss was pretty tame you know um, I, I don't remember her ever commenting on uh, all night, but then again, maybe it was Headbangers Ball was on late, so she never saw it because she was working trying to keep the roof over her head. So I didn't get a much grief from family. You know, um, my, my father really didn't care about the music I listened to because um, he was working and wasn't around that much either. My friends were, you know, Zeppelin and Aerosmith and ACDC. Metallica. Um, well, Metallica. they weren't they weren't around yet. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, my, my, a lot of my friends. Were. I I think I was probably the I first. Like Metallica. The first one of my friends to have a Metallica album was me, and I threw it in the trash because I hated it. <laughs> that <laughs> that totally tra- changed. Yeah, Columbia House. I bought Masters of Puppets and thought, what is this shit? <laughs> oh my god! One of my all-time favorite albums now, but you know, back then, you know, it they my friends looked at me just with a you know. When you have a, a bunch of friends, there's always that one that you all have a great deal of disappointment in, because he's a real fucking idiot. You know, he doesn't listen. Oh, sure. To... Yeah, I loved Aerosmith. I loved Zeppelin. I loved ACDC. 
I still listened to all of them. I just loved Kiss more. So I would go down to a, a record store and go through the K section and then just check the L section in case something from the K section slipped in there by accident, oh. you know. Um, they would just look at me like I'd come back from England with, yeah, Crazy Nights, Reason to Live, Thrills in the Night picture discs um, and 12-inch singles and the singles and the poster bags and the sew-on-patch versions. And they'd say, did you get me the Wasp picture disc? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> God, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, they always looked at me like I was that special one because it was just never part of the scene. And then in Singapore, it was all in excess and you know, Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 87, 88, 89. So everything that was big there. And I was never one to force it on people either. I mean, I had all my Kiss stuff. My walls were all Kiss posters. I have parties at home. And but I had lots of Van Halen. I had lots of other stuff as well, and all that Australian music that they liked. You know, I had because I listened to it. You know, fucking Echo and the Bunnymen. I had so much different music. It was never a big deal that they were willing to tolerate my foibles when it came to Kiss. And you know, I to this day I get friends who hit me on Facebook and say, "Hey, you see those Funko things? You gonna buy those, you loser?" Uh, yeah, you know, when they... I, I never, I never got that it was anything negative like that. They just thought that you were kind of a peculiar guy who liked that band that no one else liked. But at the same time, they kind of respected that you stuck to your guns. You know, you didn't uh, started to like the popular band. So uh, there was something there that they liked. And uh, I always think of it like rooting for a you know a football team or something. It feels like that. I mean, I wanted, I want kids to succeed. I want people to buy their stuff. It's mm-hmm. like rooting for a football team, and you want them to win their games and win. So it, it, I guess the feeling is similar. So I think uh, um, football fans can see the similarities and appreciate it and understand it to a better degree than a lot of people that that are only into music and like and switch between bands i only only listened to kiss almost at one point of time i remember a friend we did list your top 20 songs and he had all kinds of different but i had only kiss bands, kiss songs <laughs> Tw- the 21st picks were kiss songs and i, I was serious i i, I like 20 kiss songs more than anything else or in the world else. yeah i used to i used to do goofy shit like that like i'd said it like if i knew like i'd always try to turn people on to kiss as well and like like if i knew someone was going to get in my car to go somewhere i like have like my tape player like synced up that okay this song's going to come on when that person's in the car and maybe they'll think oh what is this this is cool so i can like turn them on to the band i would do that constantly um thinking that well if they hear this if 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 brian hears this song while he's in the car with me he'll be like who is this and like Maybe maybe he'll start to like the band, because you know, for whatever reason. And I remember I was driving a, a kid home from from high school one day, and we'd always listen to Kiss driving home. Like, you know, it's my car. We're gonna listen to what I want to, obviously. So we're driving home and we're, we're listening to Alive. And this kid's like a freshman. I'm a senior, and I'm driving him home. And we listen to the sheet, and you know, the, the end comes on with the guitar, with the extended guitar solo, and. We're driving home and he's listening to it and he and, and it, it and it actually worked and he's like, That was awesome. <laughs> it's like, I've been telling you. 
Just... I think it's great. There's such a variety of songs when it comes to Kiss. I used to make these uh, mixtapes when having a girl, or you know, you could have "Every Time I Look at You," "Forever," uh, right. "I Still Love You." Oh gosh! Uh, yeah. You had a lot of songs you could put <laughs> on that tape to play to to, to you know. And spit. Uh, get get rid of spit. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> There's logs yeah. in the fireplace. Yeah, <laughs> girls love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Fits like a glove. Right. Oh, oh. <laughs> I need to put that one on there, yeah. yeah. Here, honey, listen to this. <laughs> Hear anything you like? <laughs> All right. One one last quick one from the board, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to save the rest of these for another episode. But uh, the latest episode, or issue, pardon me, of Classic Rock, the worst record I've made. Paul Stanley. There are two. Unmasked and Music from the Elder. Unmasked was tepid and had no balls to it. Actually, the band at that point probably had no balls to it either. The Elder was a misguided attempt at impressing people who we shouldn't have been trying to impress, the critics, while forgetting the people we should impress, the fans. I love Paul Stanley. He just knows how to say things so succinctly and straightforward. Um, What do you think of that comment? Agree? Disagree? I agree, because obviously Unmasked, we've talked about it. The production is watered down. There's probably a few decent songs on there with a different production that could have been way better. Um, But I, I think he... Again, Paul, tomorrow, everything you just said about a song, uh, the album having no balls, I think doesn't matter when you play a song like Tomorrow, which is just, just absolutely fantastic. And The Elder, there's just no argument. He made the album. He knows why they made it. He also knows why they were struggling to make an album. Um, so you, you can't debate the point. Lonnie, what do you think of that? He's, he's absolutely right. It's two missteps in a row. And in an, in an era where ACDC and Judas Priest and Van Halen are re- releasing great records, Kiss releases Unmasked and Music from the Elder back to back. And you wonder why they're waning in popularity where they can't even get a proper tour of the United States for either one of those albums. Um, he's, he's right. I mean, those are... I, 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 and again, there's there's good songs on those albums, like Julian mentioned tomorrow, but the production on it is awful. And and music from the Elder, he he's right. You're trying to as, as much as I enjoyed the Elder, as much as like some diehard Kiss fans enjoy the Elder, and I enjoy Unmasked too. But he's right. You're you're they were they were playing for the wrong audience. And when they had promised that when they were going to go into the studio to do the elder that, Oh no, we're going to get back to our, our roots and, and make a heavy record. And they, they listened to some of the wrong people and, and, and made the album that they made. So yeah, he, he's right. And you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a shame that they, they released those albums in a time when other bands were releasing some really, really good stuff. And it just it just killed them in, in popularity. Daniel. Well, uh, the Elder and on Monster are no masterpieces, but uh, I'd say Monster is even worse. But I guess he, he won't say that one because uh, he's the producer and he's kind of <laughs> yeah his own little baby. But I think that's a way worse record than Unmasked. Uh, but uh, Unmasked isn't a good record, and The Elder is just a strange record. Uh, so I, I think he, he's, he's kind of 
right on the mark over the, uh, right there. But uh, there are a lot of bad Kiss albums if you look at it. I mean, through the 80s, they had a few stinkers as, as well. I'd say Hot in the Shade is right up there as well. Uh, but it still has a few good tunes, you know, High Your Heart Forever and a few others. One monster, uh, to me, I know there are fans that like this album. To me, there's maybe the the first song is good. I like that one. But after that, I, I just skip all the others. So I'd say Monster and The Elder, maybe. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, what do you think out there? You know, of Paul's comments. Um is there really, you know, a worst record when it comes to Kiss? And what is it, in your opinion? Do you agree with Paul, or do you have something else? What um, do you think, Julian? Hmm? <laughs> Asylum uh, and no, I, I don't think Kiss has ever made a worst record. I think if anything comes close to a bad record, then I'm probably gonna have to go with Carnival of the Souls or Psycho Circus. Ah. And Carnival of Souls, not because of the material, the production, uh, just does not work for me. There is no spectrum of sound in there. It is just sludgy. I think it could be so much better. It could be remixed. Um, I think it's also missing a few layers of sound, but then again, in what they're going for and stripped back. Um, but Psycho Circus is the worst record because it's just a joke, even though the songs are good as songs it just what it represents yeah no, I, I, yeah i have a hard time listening to it just because of what it was supposed to be versus what it is yeah the the, the emotions that it entails and when listening to it you know i i don't get any of that off the elder the elder i just see as being destroyer done with a different storyline as far as you know it's the same basic song for song that Destroyer was. It's a it's a blueprint that it's that's some cornhole story that doesn't make any sense. Well, musically it's beautiful. Uh, production wise, it's incredible. Performance wise, I don't care what Paul ever says about his vocals on Odyssey. I don't think they're tragic at all. But you know, he's his own worst critic. So I, I don't think that comes anywhere near. And Unmasked, you know, it's got some great pop songs and some, you know, pretty good Ace stuff on it as well. And come on, Gene, Naked City. Mm. So. But I think Psycho Circus goes down in history as the, the most missed opportunity. I don't even know what they were thinking. Everything from the cover to the content is so not kissish, so to speak. I mean, if they just would have thought about their history and released something in the vein of Sonic Boom, that album could have taken off totally. in a whole different way. Totally agree. Yeah, so so it was such a missed opportunity. Even though there are a few, well, quite a few good Paul tracks on that one, they are not similar to 70s Kiss. I think it sounds more like 80s Kiss. I don't know why they did that like that. It's such a mystery to me. Yep, they could ease. I mean, even worst case, they should have probably just gone in and picked up a old bunch demos. of old demos and yeah. just like being healing it. Just knock them into shape. I mean, come on, Ace had leftovers from uh, his solo album. Uh, Peter had ones that had been rejected that weren't used. Love Bite and uh, Rumble could have been yeah. revamped. Gene uh, had garbage can and recycling bins full of tapes. <laughs> Paul, That's what Van Halen did for a different kind of truth. Come on, even Paul did have unused songs. Ain't the Smoke, 
uh, yeah. Don't You Hesitate. Yeah. We didn't know about, you know, most people didn't know about Don't You Hesitate at that point. You know, mm -hmm. imagine if they'd recut Don't You Hesitate, updated, mm -hmm. and you would have been, yeah, that's 70s kiss that we wanted, you know. Mm -hmm. And God damn it, Peter and Ace. Uh, God, you know. Uh, just not the time to renegotiate. Not until you've put the album, done the work on the album for us. But, you know, I guess they had to do what they had to do. So, you know. All right. Let's call that a show. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, we've talked about Trondheim today and Daniel's Adventures at the festival. And, you know, it, it raises some interesting questions. What are your concerns if you're going to be seeing Kiss in the U.S. in the summer? Um, you know, how do you think the show is going to translate into the sheds, as Lonnie put it? Um Obviously, I think you're probably looking forward to it. Are you concerned about ticket sales? That's one thing that is uh, quite noticeable right now. And a lot of the markets are very thin on the ground. Guest appearances? Guest appearances, maybe? Oh, God. Yeah. So what do you think about guest appearances? Well, Ace has put the gloves back on. Yeah. And <laughs> the only throne he's reclaiming is the one with the roll of toilet paper next to it. Um, you know, hey, he's out doing his tour with his, with his guys and He's got watching you in the set list. Um, the band is playing very well. Ace is giving some entertaining interviews, you know, very entertaining interviews. Ace is Ace. He's got Origins Volume 2 coming out. But, you know, what about the guest appearances? I think it's something that really ought to happen. Make sure your schedules coincide with Bruce's because he should he should definitely be a, a guest. And maybe we'll get God Gave Rock and Roll to you so he can represent his era live and in person on any... I don't care if I don't see it. Just to know that Bruce had done it just, somewhere. I just want it to happen. Yeah. Just Let's to, all talk about guest appearances before the tour started. We haven't seen any. Yeah. I would, as, uh, long as, as long as they're selling out uh, concerts, uh, they won't have any guest appearances. But when the numbers start going down... You'll see some, I think. Yeah, and Peter Chris, I still yeah. think, you know, I know he won't get up on stage with uh, Eric probably wearing his makeup, and that's fine, but why can't they get him out to put him up on stage and let him sing Beth that night, and then Paul and Gene can come out and give him a hug, and then after he's gone, Tommy and Eric can come back on stage. Tommy... And Eric can play the piano, so. No, 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 <laughs> nowhere near him in makeup just didn't even look close yeah just get okay. the just get the drum thingy out for him to sit on that night and have ask eric to kindly you know just wait a so few sad. minutes eric's a, a eric's a team player i'm sure yeah. he'd let peter have his moment so that peter could be it did it did it did it back in the 90s you know it was his his suggestion that peter would play with him on that convention in pittsburgh or where, wherever it was LA. yeah and the, and then of course you can get tommy and ace and uh you know tommy just stay off to the side of the stage while ace you know comes and does shock me with us and then they can have a guitar war that turns into kiss meets the phantom of the park smackdown the, the two space the two space yeah. reenact that scene right so who knows all right everything that we've talked about today uh do check out nashville rock and pot expo dave ellison latest announced guest uh, I've got a bunch of auctions going on on eBay right now that the proceeds are going to be going to the GoFundMe to help out with the back-end costs on the Rock and Pod. Some very cool stuff by someone who has nothing to do with the event who will never be there, so check those out. But now, for Lonnie, for Daniel and myself, thanks for joining us. And Mark, we hope Jackie's doing fine, so uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now.
Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.